Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are continuing on our study of the life of the Lord Jesus, and we will be in Luke chapter 16 uh, in this session. Uh, We'll be talking about guarding against covetousness and what Jesus has to say about that. And also as just a uh, subtitle, uh, to be too earthly minded is to be of no heavenly good. So we want to be very, very useful when it comes to the kingdom of God. Well, there are certain things, obstacles that can that can get into our way to keep us from fulfilling the plan and purpose of God that he has for us. And so that's what the subject is of this session. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, Father. Now we ask you uh, to give us wisdom and revelation, Lord, and the knowledge of you. Yes, Lord, hallelujah. Flood our hearts with light and we'll give you praise and honor and glory and help us, Lord, both in the teaching and in the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, praise God. Well, in the last session, we were in Luke chapter 15, and we talked about three parables, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all three of these parables had to do with the Jesus answer to the Pharisees when they criticized him for receiving tax collectors and eating with them. Remember that uh, Matthew, one of Jesus' Uh, disciples was a tax collector. And so Jesus, uh, he gave the parables about the lost sheep, lost coin, and the lost son, and all three parables had to do with different facets of uh, the unsaved or the backslidden. And the thing that stands out to me uh, in the parable of the lost son was the attitude of the father when the son who intended to go out into sin and backslide came to himself and came back to the father's house and how the father greeted him. To me, that just speaks to me of our heavenly father, how that if we're determined to go out into sin and into the world, he'll let us go. But if we're truly born again, he, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to call us back. Amen. And when we come back, he'll receive us with rejoicing and much, much gladness. That's just the nature of our Heavenly Father. He truly does love us. Now, in this chapter, Luke chapter 16, we're going to be looking at some other parables too, but uh, there are some things in here that uh, Jesus addresses uh, concerning covetousness, being too earthly minded. And this first parable, the parable of the unjust steward, really speaks to us uh, concerning uh, the sin of covetousness and how that we are to be very, very wary uh, of uh, this sin. So we'll go ahead and start in Luke chapter 16 and verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples. Now, this is the same stream. Now, we're talking about the same frame of time coming out of chapter 15, going into chapter 16. And so he's speaking to his disciples, but the Pharisees are within sound of his voice. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Now, this rich man was a a very well-to-do businessman, amen, and he had an unjust steward 
that was accused of wasting the master's goods. Actually, the word wasted his goods really means scattering or squandering his master's uh, possessions. And verse two, and he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of thy stewardship, for you may be no longer, for you may be no longer steward. Okay, so the uh, the master, the certain rich man did not fire the steward outright, but he wanted to gather the evidence to prove that what he was told was true. But now, as far as the stewardship, the steward, uh, he knew he was guilty. Amen. So to give an account or to give an account of thy stewardship means to reckon. It means uh, to have an audit. He, uh, the uh, rich man is going to audit the books that the steward was keeping. And uh, verse three then says, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. See, he knows he's guilty. I cannot dig and to beg. I am ashamed. And then reading along here, he says, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much do you owe my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. Now, that is equal to, according to uh, today's trading, uh, that's equal to 800 gallons, which would be uh, over $16,000. And he said unto him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. The steward cut this, the debt of this man owed the rich man in half. Now that's quite a reduction, isn't it? Then said he to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. That would be 1,000 bushels. And the common trading right now is about $20. So that would be $20,000. And he said unto him, take your bill and write four score or write 80. So he reduced the debt of this debtor by a quarter. Now, here's an interesting thing that I thought about. Notice how that these debtors were able to pay the reduced debt. Well, maybe it's due to the fact that they were holding off, holding out. Maybe the uh, the steward and the debtors were had a had a plan going. Because this rich man had many, many uh, people who owed him, but just two here are mentioned. So uh, that's an interesting thing to think about. And notice that the debtor, that, that the steward said, I am resolved what to do. I mean, he was caught. <laughs> he knew he knew exactly that he was going to be fired. And probably the 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 uh, mismanagement of funds, the the uh, the rich man may have uh, charged him. So he came up with an idea of to ingratiate the debtors unto himself uh, and to gain favor with them. Now, I want you to notice something here. Now, all of these people involved in this parable, they're all businessmen. Amen. They're not churchmen, but Jesus is using this parable to prove, to teach the disciples, but to prove to the Pharisees who exactly they are. All right, now verse 8 says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, the reason why the rich man commended the unjust steward because it's, it was just business. 
How many people, businessmen in the church, you know, they talk about making this deal and that deal and they say, well, it's just business. Even though they're pushing the envelope when it becomes morally right or wrong, or maybe they step over the bounds and their excuse is, well, it's just business. Well, no, actually what that is, that's covetousness. Amen. There's a standard that Jesus demonstrates and expects you and I as disciples of Christ to follow. Amen. And that is that we represent Christ, whether in personal life, whether in business life or in religious life. Amen. Now, notice what Jesus said. He said here that the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Well, who can relate the children of this world to? Well, the Pharisees. See, they're the ones that are guilty of covetousness. They're the ones that uh, most of their life was the accumulation of wealth at the expense of others. Remember when Jesus was talking about how that the Pharisees, they enter into poor widows' houses and they they uh, demand that uh, widows and people who are poor uh, tithe a tenth of everything in their house. You know, cumin, spices, different things like that. But he, but then he indicted them and says, but you will not with one finger lift the burden off their shoulders. See, that's that's being covetous. Amen. That's demanding greed, being greedy of uh, of worldly gain. And then Jesus said, he said this, he says, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, that's pertaining to. Uh, and we're going to see this in a minute. In a minute, that that's pertaining to the mammon or the money or the financial uh, things of this world. There are people who are unscrupulous. They they have no moral character whatsoever. Uh, it doesn't ma- doesn't matter to them stabbing somebody in the back as long as they make a dollar. I remember uh, listening to a interview um, years ago. Uh, a interviewer was uh, interviewing uh, George Soros. And, uh, you know, the interviewer asked him, he says, don't you have a conscience about some of the things that you're doing? And he said, no. And the interviewer said, well, do you believe in God? And George Soros said, no. See, this is what we're talking about here. This is the root of bitterness. Amen. This is why being covetous is such a grievous sin. And so reading on verse nine, and I say unto you, make to yourselves the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. There's a scripture and I'm going to read this scripture in a little bit, but it talks about how that when you water others, you yourself will be watered. And that's basically what Jesus is talking about here, that if you and I will conduct our affairs, you know, as if we were. Uh, conducting affairs with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If we'll do that with others, amen, God will see that and God will reward us over time. So Jesus here, he's uh, admonishing his disciples to be honest in every area of life, amen, and dealing with, with common men and business deals, whatever the situation, that they be honest in their dealings. And that they do not and will not be covetous, amen, and desire the, what Jesus calls it, the unrighteous mammon of this world. Now, we have an example of this, both the negative and the positive. 
You know, Judas was covetous. He's the one that betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Well, do you know how much that would be in today's market? $650. He traded eternity in hell, amen, for $650. And in the end, he took that $650 and he threw it back in the temple. So he wound up with nothing used by the devil to betray the Lord Jesus Christ and lost his eternal soul and lost salvation. At one time, his name was written in heaven, but because he apostatized, his name was blotted out. Now, the positive side is this, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 11. Notice what it says. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. See, this is a great principle when we're talking about dealing with uh, men and women in the world. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him. Think about people that hold on to grain when people are hungry, waiting for the price to go up so then they'll sell it. See, that's being covetous. Well, some people say, no, that's just being a good businessman. No, that's being covetous. That's being covetous. That's putting ourselves ahead of the principles that Christ has laid out. So he who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it in time of need. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who searches after evil, it will come to him. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Amen. That's such a good word. I remember years ago when the hurricane had come through this area and the whole area was devastated that there was a certain owner of a grocery store. She she quadrupled the price of the batteries that she had on hand. And so after that incident, uh, the, the, the county commission got involved and anybody that spiked up gas prices, commodities in a time of catastrophe, uh, they would get arrested or they would get fined because it's not right. You see, even county commissioners, many of them who are not, uh, some of them who are not saved, they have better sense than that. You know, we don't uh, persecute the poor uh, just in order, in order for us to get ahead. We just don't do that. That's not right. That's not of God. That's being covetousness. So we see here that the Pharisees, through covetousness and through shrewdness and worldly affairs, they accumulated a lot of wealth because they felt like the richer they were, the more godly they were, the more good they were. And that's really the deception of riches. You know, you see rich people, they think, you know, that because they're so wealthy, you know, that they're superior to everybody else. Well, they're going to find out that when many of them who are saved get into heaven, they're going to be the last to get in. And some may barely get in. Amen. Because uh, the scripture teaches us, teaches the rich what they are to do with their money. Praise God. And, you know, here's a here's a fact that uh, Nicodemus, he was considered to be one of the three most prosperous and wealthy men in Jerusalem at the time of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. But because of his faith in the Lord Jesus, because he chose to leave that and follow Jesus. It is said of him that he lost everything. As a matter of fact, there's some uh, uh, historical record that uh, men saw his daughter 
out on the street begging for bread. But see, that man has got a high elevation now in heaven. You see, he, he lost it all. But he won Christ. You see, and that's the big difference. Now, verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So Jesus calls the unrighteous mammon least in the kingdom of God. So what the disciples had in worldly goods was not much, but they left it all to follow Jesus. Every bit of it. On the other hand, the Pharisees, through covetous and greed and avarice, they accumulated wealth. And there's no way in the world that they would follow Jesus. Remember the rich young ruler? Remember him? When he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus talked to him about the Ten Commandments and the young man said, well, all these I've kept from my youth up. And Jesus said, all right, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. Now, God, now Jesus' plan was to make that man rich beyond measure, rich in spiritual things. Amen. And that man could have been a tremendous help uh, to the Lord Jesus. But you know what he did? He rejected Christ because he wasn't willing to give up his wealth. You see, that's the deceitfulness of riches. That's what we have to be very guarded about. Amen. Now, for those who follow the Lord, those who are willing to give up everything to follow Jesus, notice what Jesus says. This is when Peter said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. Now, what is reserved for us? That's John Dunning Luce translation. <coughs> and Jesus said, <coughs> Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions now. See, this, you know, God doesn't, you know, he doesn't spare us persecution. We, we will be persecuted for our faith. And in the age to come, eternal life. Uh, we see that all the, all the time in our society today. Amen. So what the disciples did in leaving on following Jesus, the Pharisees would never do. Why? Because uh, money was their God. Amen. And scripture does tell us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. If therefore you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit? to your trust, the true riches. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are the true riches? Well, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he says, now, whatever you do in natural life, business affairs, conduct yourselves, daily affairs, you reflect your spiritual life. Amen. Hallelujah. And we are to follow the Holy Spirit in our spiritual life. And that's going to affect our conduct and natural life. I remember someone telling me about a member of her church. You know, she pledged, you know, she was so faithful to church. And but when it came to business, she was cutthroat. She was stabbing the back. Well, see, that's covetousness. You see, and all that she did in the natural undid everything that she was doing in the spiritual. So it's very important for us, amen, to maintain a standard 
of holiness, righteousness, and godliness. And then Jesus says this in verse 12, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Speaking specifically, implicating the Pharisees, because they were entrusted with the Lord's wealth. They were the ones that had the word of God. They were the teachers. They were supposed to be teaching the people of uh, Israel, the children of Israel. Amen. Those that were in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But what they were doing instead, they were they were accumulating wealth. Amen. They were improving. They were not imp uh, improving the lives of others. They were not distributing. Amen. They were spending it on themselves and, of course, spending it on those that are associated with them, just like in the parable teaches us the the, the rich man, the unjust steward. Amen. The debtors, all of them were in business together. All of them were acquainted with one another. And of course, you know, they scratched one another's back. You see, and and I know that in the business world, you know, there are things that that uh, that Christian men can do that will be very rewarding to their business, but it's not ethical. So we if we're going to maintain a fidelity to Christ, we just can't do it. We have to trust God that he is going to make it up, that he is going to reward us over time. So we find out here in this parable that the real master of the Pharisees was the love of money, the love of wealth and of power. And there's no way that they're going to trade all of that in to follow Jesus. They're just not going to do it. Amen. So we need to conduct our business affairs. And that's very important because how we are spiritually is how we're going to be externally. Amen. And notice what the, the epistles, uh, notice what the epistles exhort the church to do. Notice what Paul says here to the Corinthian church, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he would be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And Paul, Paul, uh, Paul wrote again to the Ephesian church, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So this is a very, very important uh, parable, one that we need to go over many, many times and study it. Now we're going to talk about men who justify themselves before men, but not before God. Notice what uh, Jesus says, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Now, the word deride, it means uh, to sneer. It means to sneer outright. It means to scoff like many men do today to people of the Christian faith. And so Jesus, he hit home with the Pharisees because for them to react the way that they did, Jesus knew exactly who they were. And then in verse 15, Jesus says this, and he said to them, you are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. So which is more important? Justification before men or having our hearts such that God is pleased with it? God knows your hearts. That's what Jesus said to them. God knows your hearts. He knows exactly who you are. For that which is lightly esteemed among men, talking about wealth, the accumulation of wealth, the unrighteous mammon, 
that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Amen. If it came, if it come between a choice of whether God wants your soul or wants your money, he'll take your soul every time. Amen. Leave the money behind. If that's what's required, if Jesus comes and says, all right, I want you to give everything you've got to so-and-so, and, 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 well, we're going to have to pray about that, but we're going to have to do it too. We're going to have to be willing to do that. Amen. Because God's got something better in mind for us in the days ahead. And so covetousness, what it is, it's an inordinate desire for dishonest gain. The accumulation of wealth, power, and influence doesn't matter how we get it, but we got it. We want to get it. It's an abomination, Jesus said. It's foul, detestable. It's idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. And then Jesus goes ahead and he gives an example uh, in answer to the Pharisees. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. And then he says this, whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. So he's talking about the liberalization of the marriage laws. Well, Jesus also called the Pharisees whited sepulchers, all ornate on the outside. But in the inside, they're full of corruption and dead man's bones. That's horrible to contemplate. I do not want Jesus to say that to me. Amen. Praise God. And I know you don't either. All right. Now, this last uh, story is about the rich man and Lazarus. And I'm we're going to go ahead and read the whole thing and just comment on it. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple, fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. Uh, that's a Pharisee. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. That's the tax collectors and the sinners. That's the poor, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted. And you are tormented. See, in life, Lazarus was tormented and the Pharisee, the rich man, was comforted. But I guarantee you the situation of this rich man would have been different if the roles would have been reversed. If he were that which he had, if he would have blessed Lazarus with it. And then going on, verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you'd send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren of the same strike that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place. That's where they're headed now. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see. 
And the rich man represents the Pharisees, you know, the ones that were scoffing and mocking Jesus. And so Lazarus, he represents the tax collectors and the sinners, the poor of this world. And see, the rich man, he closed his eyes in death. What did he, when he opened him up, where was he? He was in hell, the place of departed spirits. And the rich man was in conscious torment. He had all of his faculties intact. He felt pain. He cried out for mercy. He remembered, remembered, remembered his five brothers. He found himself in a place of torment, but he saw Lazarus and Abraham. They were in a place of comfort. He communicated with Abraham. And the sad thing is that rich man, he had already been judged guilty. That's why he woke up in hell. So now for 2000 years, he's waiting for the final judgment. And the rich man had lost all hope of being saved. See, that's the thing. When men wake up, wake up in hell, the first thing that they know is that they're without hope. There's no hope. He even appealed to Abraham and Abraham couldn't do a thing for him. So the Pharisees, like the rich man, they didn't care anything for the poor. Notice that the rich man passed through the gates with Lazarus laying right there beside the gate and wouldn't lift a finger to help him. That's callous. That's being totally and completely a reprobate. And these Pharisees, they had the power to do good, but they kept that power to themselves. And see, that speaks to us today. You know, we need to reach out to those that are less fortunate than we are. We are a blessed people. Many of us are blessed beyond measure. But we can't hoard it to ourselves. God allows us to gain wealth in order to distribute in order to be a blessing to others. God blesses us so that we can go out and be a blessing. Amen. God doesn't want us to be covetous. He doesn't mind us being wealthy, but he does not want us to be covetous. Amen. Praise God. So this is something we need to constantly guard against. Let's be a blessing to others. Let's help others. Praise God. Let's be sympathetic and compassionate, just like Jesus was. He had great mercy on us, didn't he? Well, let's be merciful towards others. Heavenly Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this message today. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. 
God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.